Welcome to episode 62 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In today's episode, we discuss our relationships with inspiration and routines. We dig into what Elizabeth Gilbert says about passion and how it connects to waiting for inspiration and why we don't do that. And then we share what we do when inspiration does strike, but it doesn't always fit within our routine or within what we've planned for. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. We know that humans thrive on routines. And from birth, we talk about feeding schedules and nap times and wake windows. We have school start and end at particular times each day. Recess is scheduled for the same 15 minutes each day. And this continues all the way into our work lives with a few days or weeks of vacation where routine becomes less relevant. But even then, when you get back from a holiday or back from vacation, we immediately start talking about going back to routine. In our house, we have laundry night on Wednesdays, which was something I had as a kid and we've now carried on. We have takeout night on Fridays and no plans days, which are typically Sundays. When I first started writing this podcast script, I dug into the difference between a routine versus a habit versus a ritual. And I was trying to write about how these different things work in different ways in our lives. I realized after reading it that it was actually quite boring. And so instead of digging into what makes something a routine versus a habit versus a ritual, I'm going to let you Google that. And instead, we're going to talk about why I believe that routine is a better friend than inspiration. Routine gives us control, or at the very least, a degree of influence over what we're doing, how we spend our time, how we break up our lives. Routine gives us consistency, and it gives us something that we can count on. Let's be honest, it also helps us get shit done. If it weren't for laundry night on Wednesdays, there would be a lot more dirty laundry in our house and likely a lot more fights and frustrations when I can't find my eighth pair of black leggings. I figure if I'm waiting to be inspired to write my next podcast script, I'm probably going to be waiting a long time. It's hard work. And sometimes it feels like a slog. I really think that that's why so many people who start podcasts realize how much work it is and then they rely on their stream of consciousness thinking and speaking and eventually they drop off all of a sudden podcasting feels hard and that level of consistency isn't there they're not committed to it because it isn't as easy as picking up a mic and talking at least for us liz you and i have talked about podcasting and how there's a series of steps Tell our listeners what you shared with me about your experience in teaching a podcasting class and Mm -hmm. having some first-time podcasters learn about how much work it was. So this is my favorite reaction 
that my students have when I, when I teach this podcasting course, it happens every semester that I teach it. It's a relatively short course. It's only five classes long, but we cover a significant amount of material. I think that the students are often quite surprised at how much we're covering. By the end of the course, without fail, the number one piece of feedback I get is, I can't believe how much work this is. It's not just plugging a mic in and hitting record. In order to have something that's good, there's audience development and having value for that audience and having themes and you know planning a schedule and promoting the episodes in a couple of different ways, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I meant to find the stat and maybe I'll find it and can share it on Instagram. The stat about how many podcasts end after just a couple of episodes. I want to know that information. Please find will, it. I'll go back into my, my podcast materials and um and find it because I just can't remember it off the top of my head. But most fail because they're not prepared for the level of work there is for a project like this. You hit the nail on the head where you say most good podcasts take this consistency. They take routine, they take planning. And so you're right that you can absolutely plug in a mic, hit record and go. But again, if you're waiting to be inspired to talk about something, you can't guarantee when that's going to come, what that's going to look like, or how it's going to stay on theme or connect with your brand or speak to your audience. I find that podcasts that are all over the place are the ones that I also drop off of as a listener because I don't know what to expect. So I think because the barrier of entry is so low on creating a podcast and you can do it for quote unquote free or low cost, if you don't consider your time an expense, it's really easy for people to jump in and say, yes, I'm going to do it, but it's continuing it that I think people neglect. So I, I just find that podcasting is such a good example. And I'm not just here to, to toot my own tires about how amazing we are, but also why not? This is episode 62. It's been three years And with one exception, we have released a podcast episode every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we start, whether it's the scripting process or we're thinking about what's the next uh, episode going to be, or we sit down to record, we don't always feel like it. A hundred percent. We have a schedule and we stick to it because we believe in consistency. Yes. And consistency is the only way that we would actually get this far. And the one time we missed an episode was at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. And we intentionally made a decision that our voices were not the ones that needed to be heard in that moment. Beyond that, it was the consistency that keeps us going and that kept us going so that we knew we could create a podcast that would have some traction. We were able to get the results that we needed and it makes it easier for us to sit down here, like Liz said, through every part of the process, through coming up with ideas, to scripting, to planning marketing and recording, because we know what we're working towards. I have talked about Elizabeth Gilbert's big magic before. I nearly jumped up and down with glee when I read this book, especially because she urges readers to forget about passion. 
If you have listened to the podcast before or follow me on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, you know that I think follow your passion is bullshit advice. Uh, Plug, if you want to know a little bit more about this, check out episode 43 of the podcast. I think that just follow your passion trivializes big decisions. I think it puts passion on a pedestal, which can make many people, myself included, feel uncomfortable if we're not always at the height of feeling passionate. And it assumes that we all have passion lurking in the background, waiting to hit us over the head or waiting to trip us so that all of a sudden we have this massive passionate life, which isn't always the case. In her chapter called Trust, Elizabeth Gilbert writes, if you don't have a clear passion and someone blithely tells you to go follow your passion, I think you have the right to give that person the middle finger. Because that's like telling you that all you need in order to lose weight is to be thin, or all you need in order to have a great sex life is to be multi-orgasmic. That doesn't help. She continues by saying, I'm generally a pretty passionate person myself, but not every single day. Some days I have no idea where my passion has gone off to. I don't always feel actively inspired, nor do I always feel certain about what to do next but I don't sit around waiting for passion to strike me. I keep working steadily because I believe it is our privilege as humans to keep making things for as long as we live and because I enjoy making things. Most of all, I keep working because I trust that the creativity is always trying to find me, even when I have lost sight of it. I share this because passion, similarly to inspiration, is unreliable. Creativity is unreliable. None of these things are guaranteed. To have passion, creativity, or inspiration isn't guaranteed. And to have them at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning when you have it in your calendar isn't realistic. It's not feasible. I don't know many people who can just sit down and drum up some creativity from nothing. What I can guarantee, or if I'm honest, what I can control is how and when I try. Liz, what's your relationship like with the idea of routine and inspiration? Oh, I love a routine so much. (laughs) So much, probably two, I don't know, maybe two. Yeah, Yeah. you and I might be on the on the like far right side of loving routine, just given the number of, of lists and calendars that, that we use. Yeah. So I definitely am one of those people who puts in windows of time to work on specific things. But as you're saying, I can't just sit down and turn it on. There is no magical switch that I flip to be able to be creative or to tap into some sort of passion that is required for whatever that task is. So While I do love having a numbered itemized list of things to tackle at certain times of the day of the week of the month, uh, I am also realistic in knowing there's, I have to be gentle within that as well and know that the consistency is great, but I might not be creating the best idea or the best thing because I might be a different person in that space of time than I was when I created the to-do list. I think that's really interesting, right? I might be a different person or produce something different when I am feeling that creativity and inspiration versus when I sit down and go, 
it's 11 o'clock on Tuesday. This is what I do during this time. I have two thoughts that came up while you were talking. I promise I was still listening. <laughs> um, number one, I have resisted calling myself a creative or thinking of myself as a creative person. And I wonder if this resistance comes from not being able to just sit down and paint something. Have I resisted saying I'm creative because I couldn't just pull an idea out of thin air? I wasn't inspired all the time, therefore I'm not creative. I, I don't have an answer. I don't think this is a, a right or wrong thought. I'm just spinning on it now going, huh, I wonder if I make assumptions about other people who I see as incredibly creative, like photographers, designers, illustrators. Do I just imagine that they can pick up a pen, a camera, an iPad, and instantly just have inspiration strike? Or are they just like us? and still have to make a routine and get their feet wet to kind of get in the, get an almost the habit of like sourcing some of that inspiration. What do you think? That's a really interesting thing to think about. I've never really considered it before, but when I think of a photographer's brain or the inside of a graphic designer's brain, and I'm like you, I don't think of myself as a as a creative, even though there are creative aspects to my work, I've never really put myself in that category. But when I think about the inside of a photographer's brain, I think it, it runs differently than mine. I just assume, and we're gonna have to put this question out, I think on Instagram for the creatives in the community to let yes, us know. Yes. I just assume that there's like a slow burn happening all the time. Of yes. Like awesome creative juices Mm -hmm. are just flowing. And as I say that, I'm realizing it's probably not realistic, but I just assume that there's like, you just turn the tap on and there's always creativity just flowing right. about in these, in these creative people's heads. Yeah. So am I resisting? Are we resisting thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not creative because if I were to turn that tap on, I can't guarantee that anything's going to come out. Whereas other creative people always have this kind of bank. Yeah. There's always like a, a tank of, of creativity and inspiration ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's pose this question. I want to know. And immediately I'm thinking, okay, Dallas, Kelly, Natasia, I'm coming for you. I want to know, Kelsey, tell me, is this how your brain works? I also wonder the second thing that I was thinking is does inspiration or creativity breed more of it? So for example, if I spend more time being creative. Does that breed more creativity? Yeah, I think it probably does. I think of a couple of the graphic designers that I know who make a habit of even, and I mean, it's something they love. Mm -hmm. so they do a lot of it, but they make a habit out of doodling in the evenings or whatever yes. it may be to keep, to keep all of that fresh or maybe discover new things through this process of, of getting the pen on the paper or onto their tablet and just creating to create without having a client on the other end of it. Right. That makes a lot of sense because I know there are times where when I'm stuck in a writing project, it's like, I just need to write something, right? I can write some garbage. So I imagine 
I imagine that that doodling creates a space where you're at least open to it. There's another line in Big Magic that I can't find at this exact moment, but it talks about sitting at a desk and basically saying, if inspiration strikes, it's going to know where to find me. I'm at my desk doing my work. I'm engaging in the routine. I'm engaging in the practice at this set time every day. So that if, if inspiration decides to strike, great, you're going to find me here, but I'm not sitting around waiting for it. And I think that this example of doodling makes a lot of sense. I have a, a client who is a graphic designer and an illustrator who would always wonder if doodling would count as work. You and I have had this conversation before of like, what actually counts as work? Am I allowed to read a book like Big Magic during work time? Or is that something I have to do in my off time? Does it actually quote unquote count? And we had a great conversation about how doodling absolutely counts because that is what will often be the catalyst for the next great project, the next illustration or, or round of, of products that this person's creating. So I find that this idea of routine and practice being there is what might help get in the, the space to actually accept the inspiration. But again, if I'm waiting for inspiration, whew, that is so unreliable to me. I just cannot, I, I can't imagine just sitting and waiting for it. We would still be on episode one of the podcast and it would be stream of consciousness bullshit. And we would not be here week after week. I have come up with five reasons why I will take routine over inspiration. And that is simply because I need to remind myself why routine matters. And especially in, in my life right now, I have more limited time. So here we go. Routine is a better friend than inspiration because number one, planning and predictability work in our favor. I will agree. Routine can be boring. It's not the most exciting thing to sit down and go, it's Wednesday night, time to do laundry. Or it's Tuesday morning, time to sit down and write for half an hour. But let's be honest, the kind of fly by the seat of your pants approach sounds really fun in theory, but is often chaotic. And it doesn't guarantee that I'm going to get anything done. Fly by the seat of your pants sounds 0% fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, that's, I'm not that kind of person fly by the seat of your pants is terrifying. Yeah. Like every once in a while, I'll take that approach on vacation and that's cool. Like we have no plans, but other than that, I, my, my pants are firmly rooted. They are rooted a hundred percent. Yeah. There is, there is no flying by any seat happening in this room. I will also, I I'm just so with you on that, even on vacation. So I'm figuring this out now, our no plans days are still set in the calendar. I plan the day to have no plans. So there's something in there. Um, reason number two that routine is a better friend than inspiration is that because deadlines and commitments are real, even if they are self-imposed. We have responsibilities to ourselves and to others, and routine is one way to make sure that those things happen. Reason number three is that I believe routines increase your chances of finishing things. And I like to finish things. If you are someone who has a lot of things that you've started and not finished, 
adding some routine to your life may be a great way to start checking off some of the steps so that you actually get to the end. There is nothing better than actually crossing a finish line, completing a project, getting to wrap something up and being done with it. And that requires some routine. Routine is a better friend than inspiration because routines can be changed and adjusted based on what we need and what we want. If you are listening to this and thinking, I am a fly by the seat of my pants type of person, or I can't handle the structure or rigidity, there are many different ways and degrees to which you can build out your routine. This is where I would recommend start with one. Try one area of routine, try adding one thing in and you can adjust it however you need or want to. And finally, I believe that routine is a better friend than inspiration because inspiration isn't linear. It's not always focused and it can hit at strange times in strange scenarios out of context. And we don't always have the opportunity to go, I just need to stop and really capture this inspiration right now. So where this goes to me is what happens when inspiration does strike, but it's at the wrong time. So I'm not saying that inspiration is a lie. I'm not saying that creativity is is a farce. What I am saying is that we can't guarantee when it's going to happen. So for me, I know that inspiration strikes, but sometimes it's when I'm on vacation or in the middle of completing another task or when I'm getting groceries and I have this great idea, but I don't have the resources or bandwidth or time to take it on right now. I can't just pull my cart over and type something for an hour. What do I do then? So for me, I am a big fan of texting myself. I, in my iPhone, I have those pinned Uh, people. So you can message them really quickly. It's front and center. I am one of those for myself. So there are many texts that I will just shoot off to myself or I'll record a quick voice note or video so that it sits there. It's better out and recorded than in my brain and trying to remember it. But for me, the act of writing something down often helps me remember it. So I don't even necessarily have to check the list, but I know it's there if I need it. LP, what do you do when inspiration strikes at a less than great time? I have a running sort of stream of consciousness list in my phone of random things, work-related things, uh, recipes that I haven't cooked in a while and I should really get back to making that, those sorts of things. Also, I have posted notes everywhere in my office. <laughs> They're everywhere. If I'm in the middle of a call with someone and I they say something that is inspiration for something else I'm working on, or if I'm in the middle of class and one of my students says something that gets me thinking about a project I have a deadline on, I've got notes aplenty. I have post-it notes and notepads of all different sizes. Sitting here right now, I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different notepads on my desk. And there's something scribbled on most of them. I'm the same as you. If I write it down, I'm likely to remember it. So I usually just, if I'm in my office, I'll write it down. If I'm outside of these four walls, it's it's going in that stream of consciousness list in my phone. And what do you, is your list actually just called stream of consciousness list? It has no title. <laughs> oh, it just exists as a place for you to write things down. Yeah. Fantastic. I love hearing what other people do. This idea 
first kind of struck me of, of texting myself, I had a therapist many years ago who suggested a worry list. So every time I was worried about something, I have the gift of anxiety, as I've shared. Anytime I was worried about something, I was to write it down so that it would exist in that notebook and I didn't have to carry it with me. I could always look at it later. So I've now continued that into a inspiration list. Right now, my, my current running list is, of course, things I want to write about in my eventual book. But right now I don't necessarily, I was going to say have the time, but I'm just going to say, I'm not making the time to sit down and write. So when I do feel this inspiration or this idea, I at least have a place to keep it. So I would love for each person listening to this, whether you are a fly by the seat of your pants person or somebody who loves structure and stationary like we do, I would love for you to consider how adding routine and making things a little bit more predictable might help you finish something that matters to you. There are so many creative people. And again, I know that that can be a loaded term and we might not jump to thinking of ourselves as creative, but there are many people who create something, an idea, a product, and are waiting for a magic inspiration to strike. And so they have a bunch of half-started projects or half-finished projects, I urge you to pick one and find a way to add a routine so that you can actually complete it. I am right now pot calling the kettle black. I have been talking about writing a damn book for what feels like 10 years. It's not, it's like two years, but still two years still feels long. And I'm looking at this now going, I need to make this a reality. So I am sitting back and going, how can I create a routine that fits within my lifestyle that will actually help me finish something instead of where I'm at right now, which is a Google doc with a bunch of so-so chapters and a word doc with a bunch of ideas and a bunch of random text messages. So I'm taking this away and thinking, how can I add some routine? And I would love for you to consider the same bonus points. Join us on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner and share what routine looks like for you. We would love to hear it. Liz, anything you want to add on the note of routine versus inspiration or the idea of creativity? The idea that routine doesn't have to be this super structured thing. Mm-hmm. I am really mindful of the people who are listening, thinking I'm not like these two broads. I don't operate the same way as these two. And mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of things scheduled and, you know, planned out in my life, but it doesn't need, you don't have to follow our example. There can just be You know, each day of the week is maybe that's how you focus on something. It doesn't need to be, you know, you're working on this thing from nine till 10 and you're working on this thing from 11 till 12, right? Maybe you just, you can take structure and routine loosely. And that can be a way of, of getting started because I think that this conversation might be overwhelming to some. So take what you need, leave the rest uh, and, uh, and hopefully something out of our conversation works for you today. Right. I love this idea of days too. It, it fits nicely with finishing something. By the end of the day on Friday, I want to finish this. doesn't say that I have to do it from fr- on Friday from three to four. It just means that in some point in that day, I'm going to get here. And I, I'm a big advocate for starting at the end. Figure out first what you want to finish. Then we'll figure out how to create the routine. 
If you want to figure out what routine looks like for you or how to incorporate things like doodling or reading or writing into your regular lifestyle, that is something that I can help you with. I am a business coach and strategist, and I help entrepreneurs and leaders who want to achieve really big things, but don't want to give up their entire lives to do it. We can help you figure that out. I am accepting new private coaching clients for fall of 2022. If you are interested, visit theamandawagner.com slash contact, fill out a form, and I will be in touch with you. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms better and share your story with the world and your specific audience, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit my website, lizpittman.com. To think that this conversation started out with me defining the difference between a routine and a habit <laughs> and to know that this is the place it got to. I am so pleased. I loved our conversation and digging a bit into creativity. I know my brain is fired up thinking about this resistance to creativity. And again, we're, we're coming for you designers, photographers, and people who are traditionally creative. I want to know, is there just a unlimited well of inspiration that you just get to go take your bucket to whenever you want. I want to know how your brains work. We are absolutely delighted to be here. It has been almost two and a half years running with the podcast every two weeks, and we will be joining you in two weeks to talk about two years Eve or the mid-year reflection. It's one of my favorite conversations to have. And Liz and I are going to do some on the spot reflection so that you can eavesdrop on it. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We will be back in two weeks with episode 63. Until then, we will see you on the internet. so funny that you said that Wednesday nights are laundry night. I don't have a routine for laundry. And have you noticed them at a different angle in my office today? Is there a ton of laundry on your floor? I did notice that. I oh. have like, those are all clean. I just have to fold them. Those are yeah. three separate laundry baskets full of clean wow. laundry. Well, I'm not going to say that the laundry all gets done, but that is the main night of washing and drying. It doesn't make it to the completion stage, but that was something my mom used to work on Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. And so my dad would be at home with my sister and I, and he, my dad's the king of laundry. So we would do laundry and my dad would make us popcorn. So we started this routine right after Dottie was born of Wednesday night being laundry night. And it was one of Robin's like, I'm a dad now. I have a night for laundry. 